Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I'm glad that you guys are here. Um, this is our fifth week in the series in Ephesians, and so we're going to continue and we're going to conclude, uh, I think it's our fourth week in chap- chapter 1, 3 through 14, and so we're going to finish that up today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'd love for you to have a copy of a Bible, so raise your hand and keep it raised really high. Don't be shy. Um, and then one of the guys will be able to get you a copy of the Bible. If you don't own a copy, please keep the one that we were handing out. It is our gift to you so that you can grow in an understanding and a knowledge um, of the Lord. Um, as you turn there, um, this past Thursday we had our first Lent worship night, and I know a few of you guys were able to be here. Super, super special and sweet and a moment of prayer and of praise. And so I, I would highly recommend that the next time we have one here um, in March that you attend. And if you, if you can't make it that night, you're like, you know, my mom's coming in town. It's really important. Tell your mom make it wait. And then just show up um, so we are bring her. <laughs> bring her. And so we could, uh, we could uh, be able to worship together. It was a, it was a great time. So like I said, we've been in this series now. This is week five. We're going to be in this series for a while looking at the book of Ephesians. Um, And there's a couple things that we've looked at in Ephesians that I want to keep before us. And and that is that we're looking at the house. And I believe um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, give us the major themes of all of Ephesians. And that is that God um, has decisively in Christ made movement towards Um, uniting all things heaven and earth. And we see that explicitly um, in chapter 1, like at 8, 9, and 10, that God is reconciling in Christ, under Christ's lordship, um, all things heaven and earth, of which we, by faith in him, through Christ, in Jesus, that we participate in what God is doing in in redeeming and restoring all things. So we said we'll spend four weeks looking at um, 3 through 14, looking at the whole house. And the point of that was that when you look at a house on Zillow or whatnot, you look at the whole house, um, not just a particular room, but you look at rooms and a house and how it all fits. And what we said is when many people teach through a book like Ephesians, what happens oftentimes is they look at particular rooms. And those rooms could be the room of predestination or the room of adoption or the room of union with Christ or spiritual warfare, all beautiful things. But we said that if you only camp out in one room, you don't really get a glimpse of the whole. And you might actually think you have the best view of that room because you spend so much time there, but in reality, you probably have a distorted view of that room given you don't understand its rightful place in the whole house. So we said as we looked at Ephesians, we want to make sure we keep the big theme of each section and of Ephesians before us as we do take time to slow down and look at particular rooms. And so today, uh, we have the opportunity to look at a particular room of God sealing us by the Holy Spirit, letting us know that we belong to him. And so for the for the sake of structure and flow, what we're going to do is we're going to recap Ephesians um, so far. So 3 through 14, recap, catch us up. Um, we're going to look primarily today at verses 11 through 14, and then we're going to recap again, and then we're going to have some implications of what that looks like for us. And so recap, explain, recap, and then some implications. i got a couple metaphors um, that I want us to be able to get to. Is that cool with you guys? That's cool? Tell your friends to get with my friends. We could be friends. We could do this like every Sunday around 11 o'clock, right? <laughs> so let's, let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy, love that you give us. Um, your word lets us know that we can approach collectively together the throne of grace through Christ that we may receive mercy in times of need. And God, we need you. We need you not just individually, We need you as a people. 
We need you as the church here in Redemption, the church here in Phoenix, the church here in America, the church in the world, that we may understand what it looks like for us to live in your story. So, Father, we pray for your spirit to take the words today um, and you would elevate, you would exalt Christ in ways in which we can see him and worship him. That in worshiping him, we may bring you glory and in bringing you glory, Lord, our souls will be fed and nourished. God, help us to be the people in whom you've called us to be. Help us to know that we belong to you. God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that's unique, I don't know if it's unique to Phoenix, but it seems like um, definitely dominant here is that we are driving culture. So most people usually drive a car or in somebody else's car, and where you're, you're, you're driving different places and so forth because we don't, you know, kind of a urban sprawl the way it's laid out. And when you're driving, you notice people love to put stickers on their car. Um, I'm always looking at people's stickers and reading because I'm fascinated by these stickers. The other day, we're driving uh, on the 101 North, and I see that this, this lady's driving this car, and she's got like a, a million stickers on the back of her. I, I don't even know if she can even see out of her car, all right? And there's all these stickers, like the stickers that say, you know, um, I'm a part of this political party. Another sticker says, I'm part of this political party. Another sticker says, I hate that political party. Another sticker says, well, I hate you. Um, and then there's a, there's a sticker of a fish, like I'm a part of the Jesus, you know, people. And another people say, I'm a fish with legs, and I, I'm actually eating your fish. And, and, you know, and then there's, the, I've ran 26 point something miles. And another one says, so what? And, and they just, they're, they're, there's just stickers upon stickers upon stickers upon stickers and upon stickers and stickers, right, that just communicate something. But those stickers, they do something. A lot of those things talk about where we declare, like, who we belong to. Whether it's a soccer club, whether it's a university, whatever it may be, we belong to this. And they're not just, like, like just bite-sized stickers. They, they communicate a, a story, some sort of identity or some sort of a story that many of us are part of. And when we begin to look at the scripture, um, what God is doing, because he can do this and he can handle it, we can't, but he can, he's inviting all of those stories, those like, like minor stories of all of our lives and the things that we're a part of, the things that we think bring us value and dignity and so forth. And he says, all of that come here. And he's making a people of the church with all those different people. And I love that because what that means that like when we meet in Christ, that means you have the person who's like, nobody can be a Christian if they're a part of this political party. Another person goes, no one can be a Christian if they're part of that political party. Well, then somehow in Christ, they have to go, oh, we were wrong. Right? right? Amen? Okay, it's like someone who's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like a part of this feminist movement, like, like let's go. And then someone who's like, yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't know, part of this misogynistic culture. And somehow they like meet in Jesus and they're like, oh, we're one. Less amens on that one. They're like, I don't know how that's going to, how is that going to happen, right? You, you have all of these stories that somehow God is not able to just absorb into the church. He, he makes sense out of our minor stories or the things we think we're a part of because it fits into the larger story of what he's doing. And that means some of the things that we thought we were identified with, we got to let go and repent of. And then some of those things just need to be refined in Christ in such a way that it fits into the bigger story of what God is doing. Because in our smaller stories, that somehow we are the hero, but when we have the scripture and the story of God and the story of the world, he's the hero. And we get, begin to understand it's, it's really about God and what he's doing in the entire world. And then we, by invitation and grace, we get an opportunity to participate in this larger story that makes sense out of all of our random Bumper stickers, right? Someone asked me earlier, is our church going to get a bumper sticker? No. <laughs> Am I anti-bumper stickers? Yes. So, so they're, they're, you know, 
Besides, the way you guys drive, I don't want people knowing what church you go to. <laughs> no, they go to that other church somewhere. <laughs> not redemption. We drive faithfully. <laughs> all of life is all for, no, not when I drive, right? And so, so what we're looking at today, what we're looking at today, if you want to boil it down, what we're going to look at today is, is that the people, we in Christ, who belong to God, that's Jew and Gentile in Christ, we who belong to God have been given the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glorious grace. We, Jew and Gentile, male and female, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, who belong to God, have been given the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glorious grace. And so let's recap real quick. In the very beginning of Ephesians, in chapter 3, what we see is it starts off, this whole narrative does not start with creation. It actually starts with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That in love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, in love, God begins to do something. And it says before this, what this God does is now, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so we begin, what are these blessings? And we looked at how the blessings were God's choosing of a people of Israel, and now the church through Jesus. And, and we said this word election and predestination, we need to think about it as mission and as affection. Mission that God elected even Abraham and Israel and so forth for a purpose in the same way that Paul says in Ephesians that we've been chosen for a purpose and that purpose was to be holy and blameless, meaning our witness would be to, to praise of his glorious grace, that we would show the world what we've received in Christ and who God was. So it was mission, but then we said it was affection. That in the same way in Deuteronomy that we read in chapter 7, that God chose his people or set his affection on his people, not because of what they can do, not because of their potential. He loved them because he loved them. And then Paul says here, in love, God predestined us for adoption. That God didn't want to just bring us near to live in his neighborhood. We said, God says, come here and live in my house. Be my son and be my daughter. So we see this unfolding picture, and he says, here's what I'm going to do for you. In the same way that God um, redeemed his people out of slavery and Egypt, he says, now I redeem you from the ultimate power, not Pharaoh, but of sin and of Satan and of death that God's delivered us in Christ. In the same way that God's people needed forgiveness because of their disobedience and they found themselves in the exile, that he says, now all of God's people have now been forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I'm going to let you know on a mystery something that's been revealed but not fully, and that is all of what God is doing in this world, he's doing in the life and in the death and in the resurrection and in the ascension and in the sending of the spirit of Jesus to unite all things, heaven and earth. And we said this, in the Greek, all things mean all things. <laughs> Super smart, right? And now we pick up here, the last section, last part of this section is that we who belong to God, we who are in Jesus, we who belong to God have been given the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glorious grace. And so let's read this part again. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him, Jesus, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the, the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So first, we belong to God. All right, so here's what he's saying here. He's been talking about the people. Um, first of all, we got to step back. We forgot to remind you guys, just in case you weren't here. Um, what Paul is doing, he's a Jewish man. 
and he's writing within God's story, so he understands who the hero is in Christ and the larger story that it's a part of. But we said that Paul's writing to a larger audience of people who are non-Jewish or Gentiles. And they don't really know the whole story. Now, they know who the hero is. They know it's in Christ. And he's trying to show them all of what God has been doing, that this is not something new that God started in the New Testament. This is a continuation of what God has been doing. And it's find its, its climax in who Jesus is. Well, it's like this. We said, if you've ever gone to a movie or you've been watching a movie and you've been watching this movie for a while, enjoying it, eating popcorn, loving it, and then you know who the hero is, everything's great. And then... All of a sudden, someone comes and sits next to you, and, and they go, hey, what? tell me what's going on, right? You're like, really? Like, like, for you to get this, I have to, dang it. You can pause it, right, and then catch him up. Paul is like getting the Gentiles, like, I know you guys know who the hero is. I know that you know Christ, because these are already faithful followers of Jesus. But you got to understand that this is not just something new. This is something God has always been doing. And so he fills them in. And so here, when it says that we belong to God, he's talking we, Jews and Gentiles. And this is just the beginning of what he's going to talk about in chapter 2, about the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. And the way Paul talks about it, here it says, In him we have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works at all. And then he says in verse 12, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ, Christ meaning Jewish, and then verse 13, And you also Gentiles. He's saying, we now belong to him. This inheritance and this possession means like we're gods. Like we belong to him. Like we don't belong to him. Like, like what is our only hope in life and death? That we belong to God. And that's an affectionate language. This is not like we're God's possession in terms of like an object or a thing, right? There's a, there's a difference between the way we um, belong to a thing or a thing belongs to us or a person belongs to us, right? So I have a car, thank the Lord. When I come home, I don't look at my car that belongs to me and go, man, look at you, 2008 Altima. <laughs> Give me a kiss, right? I don't like hug it, like, how you been? How was your day? Where'd you drive today? You good? You need some gas? Right? Like, like, that's, like that's weird, right? However, when I walk into my house, um, or my wife walks into the house, and I see my wife, who belongs to me and I belong to her, like, like I hug her, I kiss her, I pick her up, spin her. <laughs> like I'm in the Olympics, ice skating around. <laughs> yeah, right? And so, so catch her, right? Kiss her, bam. Everybody's up, right? So like there's, there's, there's like that. And, and then my kids see me and they're like, father. And then they, <laughs> they run to me. Children, right? All right, not how it happens, but I do. I hug them, and I kiss them, and they hug me, and they kiss me, and so forth. We belong to each other. There's affection there. When it says that, that we belong to him, we are his possession, this is not just a lot and land. Though that language is there from the Old Testament. They would cast a lot for land, which makes no sense to us, but they would roll dice to see who would get what. Paul's communicating. This wasn't a rolling of dice. This wasn't by chance. This was by God's sovereign choice, meaning uh, like he wants to be with you. And he's always wanted the people to be, to be with. First, he chose Israel to be with. I mean, he says in Deuteronomy that all the nations belong to the sons of God, like the angelic being. He goes, they're all, like, taken care of. He goes, but Israel, that's me. Like, that's all me. And now what Paul is saying, it's not just Israel. It's all the people of God who are in Christ, who believed in the finished work, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ, that you 
belong to God. Your identity does not fit on a bumper sticker. Your identity doesn't just fit in like something that can put on a coffee mug. All of who you are is only wrapped into Jesus Christ. So Paul keeps saying it's in him, through him, in him. You are incorporated in Christ, and being incorporated in Christ, now God's affection is set upon you. Like he, like he loves you. And Paul's saying it was the Jews and then the Gentiles, and not as one being better than the other, but it was an order that God had chose the Jews to be a blessing to the world, fell in it, sent Jesus. Jesus now becomes a blessing to the world. Jews and Gentiles in Christ receive the affection and love of our Father. And so you think of it this way, um, like keeping with the family illustrations here, um, Israel and then the church and the people of God, the Gentiles, right? When, um, when my wife got pregnant with Noah, um, we were like, you know, we were surprised that we were going to have a kid. And I don't really want to say we weren't trying because everybody says, oh, we weren't trying. And I'm like, then. <laughs> we need a biology lesson. <laughs> um, and also, I want to communicate that because a lot of people want to have a child that, that doesn't. And so, like, I, I want to be sensitive to that. But when Holly was pregnant with Noah, it was like a shock, a surprise. I mean, she had, she had not, um, like, ever changed a diaper um, until Noah was born. And then I taught her how to change a diaper on Noah. Everyone's like, oh, it's true. It's a fact. It's a fact. So, anyways. So, so we, we, we have him, and then she's just like, you know, loves him, and I mean, you immediately, you have affection for a kid right away. Like, you, not everybody else's kid, no, you give them back. Um, your kid, immediately, like this little bloody-looking human thing that, like, immediately when they're born, you just, you just, the, you're, they're it. And when she got pregnant again with Eli, she would say, I don't know how I'm going to have as much love for this other kid as I do for no. How could I, how could I love any kid as much as I've loved Noah. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. And, and mothers, you, you get this. And, and fathers, you, you get it too. And so, um, and then Eli comes out, same little bloody human-looking thing, and she immediately loves him and has affection on him. Paul is saying, like, we belong to him. And yes, it, he started with Israel. And now it's the nations. And he has the same affection. Let's go all the way back. The father has always loved the son. And with that passion and love and intimacy that he's had for Jesus, he shares with his children through Christ. So he's always been a loving father desiring his children to come home, to repent, and to belong to him. And he did it through Israel. He accomplished it through Christ. He brings it to us that we may get in on it. Like that love that we may realize that in Christ, like our number one identity is that we belong to God. Amen? And when you belong to God, what we see is not only do we belong to God, he's given us the Holy Spirit. And so if you read with me here, as he continues to talk about, he says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, this is verse 12, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? Now, the way in which we understand that we belong, as it says, both Jew and Gentile, is when we hear the word of truth. That's the gospel. 
And the gospel is not just a bunch of facts. The gospel is not a bunch of sets of truth or beliefs or values or doctrines. It's a declaration of what God is doing in his whole world. That the word of truth, as Paul talks about here in Colossians, is the lordship and the reigning and the supremacy of God through Christ and redeeming and restoring all creation. That is what he's up to, where he's taking history to its final end of uniting heaven and earth and that we get a part of that through faith in Jesus when we hear the gospel. So we who have heard, we now have the responsibility to share and to live and that truth with the rest of the world around us. And this is not something you just learn in a classroom. This is something you give your whole life to because Christ gave his life for you. He says, we, meaning Jews, and you, meaning Gentiles, that we have this hope through Jesus Christ. And he says, and you received and were given the Holy Spirit when you believed. Now, that sounds like there's subsequent, like you believed and then the Holy Spirit was given to you. It's actually um, two sides of the same coin. That while you were believing, the Holy Spirit was given to you. As we believe, God gives us the Holy Spirit. And so far, what we've seen in this section, we've seen the Father, we've seen the Son, and now more explicitly, he talks about the Holy Spirit. It's very Trinitarian love here. What we see is a few things he says about the Spirit. So the Spirit is a promise, the Spirit is a seal, and the Spirit is a guarantee. So let's talk about that just briefly here. So first, it's a promise. Remember, Paul gets all of what God had said in the Old Testament. He understands that it's one story. And God had promised that the Spirit would come. Like the people of God believed that one day when they read Ezekiel that those dry bones were going to be made alive. That the people of God like believed that when God said that the Spirit would be poured out and their sons and daughters would prophesy, they believed that. That was coming. That was a promise. Um, they believed that this, this law that God had given that was written on tablets to guide them so they would know how to live in light of what God had done on their behalf and before the world that they couldn't do really well, they believed that when God said through the prophets that one day he would take those words and they wouldn't be written on tablets, but by the Spirit, it'd be written on their hearts. They believed that one day they wouldn't have to just worship God in a particular place, but his presence would be them wherever they were, that they would be able to understand and know and worship God everywhere in his presence. And he said, this promised Holy Spirit has come. And it's come through the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's come through his ascension, and that when he poured out his spirit of the day of Pentecost, that the spirit of God has been with God's people, living with God's people. So God's power to redeem and restore all of creation that's in Jesus is now given to us by the Holy Spirit and resides in every single man and woman who trusts and believes in Jesus. It's like this beautiful picture. It's a promised Holy Spirit. And then he says this, it's a seal. And a seal is something that's not very familiar in our day, right? If, um, so some fraternities, they give you letters that you have for your fraternity. If you're in like a black fraternity, oftentimes you'll get branded, and so you'll have letters, like there's a branding. That's the language here. And, and, and the language comes from how they would, they, would, they, would, um, they would put a seal on animals that were theirs, or even on their slaves. Um, and, and what you have here is God saying, I'm putting my seal on you through the Spirit. The difference is, it's not an external sign. You're not going to look at a follower of Christ and go, by looking at you, I can tell you're a Christian. You know, you got witness wear on, you, uh, you know, you wear these sort of shoes. And like, no, because it's this international thing. But where we go, Christians are going to look different. And you say, well, what about our fruit? Your fruit matters because of the spirit of God that he's given you. What about our faithfulness? You would not be faithful to God in an honoring way unless the spirit of God is in you. 
What about obedience? Your obedience flows from the fact that the Spirit of God shows you God's love and how you participate in his mission and what he's doing. So the seal that God gives us is on the inside. Again, the seal is not a bumper sticker. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, here, if you're like, but man, he keeps going hard on these bumper stickers. I have bumper stickers. Listen, that, I don't, but I'm saying if you have bumper stickers, keep your bumper stickers. But if you feel the need <laughs> to ever get rid of them, that's okay too. So there's a seal, and then there's this guarantee, the guarantee that the Spirit is a guarantee. And the, the illustration that we've given so far is like, um, it's engagement, Right? People, people are getting engaged all over the world, and in this church, people are getting engaged. They're all excited and stuff, and we're excited for you, too. And, um, you know, in the engagement thing, I mean, that, that's a good illustration because, you, you know, the, the, usually the man proposed to the woman, um, gives her a ring. I'm like, listen, but if the woman wants to propose to a, to a man, listen, go ahead, do your thing, right? And if we're all about equality, um, maybe the men should get rings sometimes, too, an engagement ring. I'm just saying, if we want to, right? And so, so there's... There's this engagement that's happening, and the thing about that, why that illustration is great is because there's a sign, there's a signal, like there's something else is to come. The Spirit is a down payment that's more is coming. The reason why it falls short in some ways on engagement is when you get engaged, like really nothing's changed, right? Like you might have a date and so forth, but you love the person the same, but you're still not consummating that, that marriage yet. You're still not supposed to be consummating that marriage, if you know what I mean. I'm not going to give you any hand signals or anything like that, right? So, but that, that's a picture of the guarantee. Another one, if you grew up broke, you'll understand this one. Uh, illustration is um, layaway, right? And somebody was like, layaway, what is, what is that? <laughs> Don't you just buy whatever you want, right? Layaway is a concept where my mom used to be like, you guys want this bike for Christmas? I'm going to go to, you know, Kmart, and I'm going I'm to put it on layaway. And layaway is when you go and you say, okay, I want this bike, and they set the bike or whatever it is um, like on behalf of you and your, your mom, um, at least she tells you um, that she's putting money down on it and then she's got to make payments and when it's paid in full, then you can get the bike. But the point in there, what's great is once you've kind of said, hey, that's my bike and I'm putting some money down, they're not going to give that bike to anybody else. The reason why that stops short is you don't get any part of the bike until you've paid it in full. Then you come to the last one. And that is, if someone's already paid a meal for you, like someone says, hey, I want to I take you to this bomb, dope restaurant. And if you want to know, what is a bomb dope restaurant? A very eloquent restaurant, right? So you go to this really bomb dope restaurant, and it's already paid for you, and you got, like, the layout. It's, it's, it's amazing. And then there's a, there's a lady chef in the back that's known as, like, the greatest chef, and she's cooking it up. And you're sitting there. It's all paid for you. You're good. You know you're going to get the food. And they're going, hey, it's going to take a while because we're back here preparing something amazing for you. And then she sends one of the servers out with a sample of what you're about to get, just a sample. And then they open the doors, and you smell like, oh, this is... This spot would be great, right? And so they, they come, and they set it down on the, little, on the real cool-looking nice plates with the little fancy little spoons and the little forks, right? And then you taste it, and you go, oh, right? Oh. <laughs> okay. They're like, do you like it, sir? Oh, love it. I can't wait for the rest to come. That's what Paul is talking about. The Spirit is in us now giving us a foretaste of heaven meeting with earth, a foretaste of what it will be like to be in perfect holy communion with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. A foretaste of what it will be like when God redeems and reconciles and restores all things. That he's giving God's people a foretaste of what it will look like to see God face to face. In essence, the Spirit gives us the opportunity and experience to taste and see that our God is good. And you know how we are when we've had a good meal. 
You don't keep that to yourself. You tell you take pictures of it. You put it on your, your social media, and you guys got to come check this place out. Like, this is absolutely amazing. And when God's spirit is in us, that's not something that's supposed to turn in on ourselves only. But it's something that we experience what God is doing, what he has done in Christ, that we're tasting and seeing how good he is. And we point to what God is doing in all of our life as a witness of God's mission in this world. Amen? So we who belong to God, who have believed, repented, trusted in Jesus, we've been given the Holy Spirit, here we go, to the praise of his glorious grace. We said this in week one. This whole section, 3 through 14, is all worship. Like if there was an emoji for this whole section, it was this, right? And it was, Lord, have mercy, you are amazing. It is doxological, it is not doctrinal. It is worshipful, it's not just theological. It is something that to the praise of God's grace, Paul is in a prison right now or home arrest and he's writing how good we have it in Christ. Not because we're not in prison, because we are in Christ. So no matter where you are, no matter where you are in human history, if you are in Christ and you are a part of what God is doing in Christ to redeem and restore, he goes, it is all good. And it should end up, it should lead to, it should elicit praise and worship. And not just what we do in songs, our whole life. So you see here, in the text here, talking about what he's done in Jew and Gentile through the gospel, that we belong to him, we've been given the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, verse 12, to the praise of his glory. At the very end here, verse 14, that we have a possession. To the praise of his glory. Earlier in the section, to the praise of his glory. Like all the things that God's doing results in this praise. So, so what, what is this praise? This praise is when we begin to see who God is and we respond to him in worship. And we don't just respond to him in worship as followers of God to himself, but we take what we've received in the story of God and we participate and now we worship out loud in public and whatever we do in all areas of vocation and the most complex intellectual things and the most mundane. Monday through Sunday, worshiping God. Amen? So that's not just singing. It's unto our whole life worshiping who God is and reflecting that worship and what we do with everybody else, with all of our time, that we are worshiping God. From the time that we're planning something at work, raising kids, to Thursday mornings remembering to take out the recycling for the fourth time, right? Like, whatever it is, we're worshiping God to the praise of his glorious grace. That when we, when we walk, when we drive, to the praise of his glorious grace. That God's people who have tasted and seen that he's good and that we affectionately belong to him, that we are his possession and we are not ever going to lose that privilege because he's already paid the down payment in the Holy Spirit. Our whole lives are saying, Lord, you've given yourself to us. How can we now give ourselves to you? Not out of duty, but out of absolute joy for who he is and what he's done on our behalf in Christ. So what does that look like? And I got two pictures here. First one here that I got from a friend of mine, Bill Clemen, in Portland. And it's that we image like, we try to image God. We're all image bearers of God. And what he begins to talk about is how in imaging, we basically reflect or we imitate. Like, we know this. Like, one of the, one of the best ways to flatter somebody, right, is to, like, imitate them, right? Not, not, not mock them <laughs> or mimic them. Like, imitate. Like, when a kid imitates a parent, you're kind of like, oh, that, that's endearing. So, uh, two weeks ago, uh, me and my son are at, my youngest son are throwing the baseball around at his older brother's soccer game. And they're playing soccer, which is an amazing sport, by the way. I know I made the mistake and said it wasn't a couple weeks ago. And goodness, you guys almost killed me. Uh, I said it's an amazing sport. 
we're just not good at it in America. <laughs> so here's what we had. So they're playing soccer, and me and Noah, or me and Eli are playing baseball. We're just throwing the ball back and forth. And his favorite player in baseball is a baseball player by the name of Dustin Pedroia. plays for the Red Sox. Loves him. He's short. Eli's short. He's wild and crazy. Eli's wild and crazy. Loves him. So we're playing catch back and forth, and he's like literally trying to imitate what he sees Dustin Pedroia doing. Well, this guy comes over, and he goes, man, he goes, how old are you? And he like, goes, I'm six. He goes, man, you're a really good baseball player. And I look at the guy, and I go, Eli, do you know who that is? And he turns, and he looks at him. He takes his glove and puts it over his head. and goes, you're Dustin Pedroia. It was him. He was there watching his kid's soccer game, and he just like, like, oh, yes, right? Like, what? This is the greatest thing ever, except for Jesus, Dad. I, I'm going to still fall. But this is, this is amazing, right? And, and, and he's like, you're my favorite player. And like, you know, like he's like probably heard that a million times. But it was just one of those things where he's like mimicking the person he sees. And that mutual, like, what? This is amazing. Um, the way that we show our love for God is when we imitate him. We try to live in our world and our bodies and our context and our vocation and our relationships in such a way that we, that we show what he's like. So when we image God back to God, that's worship, and that should be the center of all of our life. When we image God, who he is to others, that's community, that's relationship, that's to non-Christians and to Christians alike, that we image, we, we, we image in our word and our deed that we belong that we've been given the spirit in Christ Jesus. We are part of this story that to those who are also a part of it, we share with and deepen relationship. And with those who are not, we're witnessing the type of people who God calls us to be and the type of world in which is coming into this world that he's bringing in Christ. And then when we image not only God to God in worship or God to people and community, but God to creation and culture, that becomes mission. And it's not our own mission. It's the mission that we're part of that God is doing, and we're just following Jesus and our day-to-day -day lives showing what he's like. Amen? The other picture comes from my friend, Danae, and she talks about the church being mid midwives, right? Which I think is a good picture um, because if she was like the church giving birth, I'm like, I don't want to get up and talk about an illustration about giving birth considering the fact that I've never given birth and that would and considering the fact that both times my wife gave birth, they asked me to leave the room because I was passing out. So, but a midwife, a midwife does not give life. A midwife does not give birth. But a midwife is there coaching, caring, helping breathing, holding a hand, going through. Like, they're encouraging the life that is to come. And when she says that we think about being God's people, living to the praise of his grace that we have to first understand we don't give life. To our neighbors and friends and family members that don't know Jesus, we don't give them life. God does. We have to actually believe that the Spirit cares more about them coming to know God than we do. That God is so for his people and whatever he wants, he's going to get. God has people out there. We have to play the position of being, being cultivated in relationship and the gospel of Christ, knowing the mission of God, that we know how to come alongside people in our communities, people in our culture, places in our culture as midwives in such a way to let God do the work. So sometimes that's prayer. In fact, all the time that's prayer. Sometimes that's explicitly pointing to the work of Christ in people's life. Sometimes it's just being a good neighbor. Last week we said, how about we just do something really simple? Love your neighbor. And like, even more simple than that, just try by getting to know your neighbor's name. The people across the street, next door, just get to know their name. So this week, I um, had to do that because I couldn't say you guys go do it and not do it. 
Um, and so there's a, there's a guy, and I knew his name already, but I never knew his story. And so I invited him to come look at something in my backyard that he could possibly fix because I wanted to meet him. And so I said, hey, why don't you come check this out? And we were back there. Two hours later, he just spilled his whole story. He's a man in his 50s. He's like, yeah. And I just asked him a question finally. I'm like, hey, what's something about you that, um, that nobody knows or wouldn't see? And he goes, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, most people know that, and I didn't know this, because my wife has a case of anxiety that she can't leave a three- to four-mile radius from her house. So I've had to, like, get all my work and everything that I do, like, within this radius, like, because I need to be there for her. We weren't able to have kids, and so we don't have family here. We can't even go see our family in New York. He goes, but, like, this is where we have it. And my friend, she goes, my friends will say, that's not fair. You should leave her. This is like, and he's just like, what? I've loved this woman since I was 17 years old. And when I said that I'm going to unconditionally love her, he goes, you know what? I bleep meant that. Right? And if it were the other way around, she'd do it for me. And I said, man, Carl, what's your, do you have like a faith commitment or anything? I'm a Christian. Uh, and, and he's like, no, I'm kind of open to everything. And I said, man, you just taught, you could teach the message that God would have for us on how to love people, how to love our wives, how to love our friends in a way that shows that you are an image bearer of God. And I, and I really believe that. And I'd love to tell you he like dropped like down on his knees, gave his life to Jesus, and he's walking. Stop using those F words. But um, <laughs> no. But it was enough to go, I, I, you know, and I told him, hey, I was supposed to meet you because I was I, mean, I, just, I mean, just show my cards. Like I was supposed to get to know your name and everything, but you gave me way more than I could have ever imagined. And I'm going to share that story at church if you're okay with it. He goes, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Hey, what did you need me to fix in your backyard? I'm like, nothing. I, I just, <laughs> I wanted to get to know your name. You know? So, so, we, 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 like, Paul is saying, before the foundation, our God and Father has existed and love created and also chose that we would be people who live for him, who are holy and blameless, adopted into his family, that we would be redeemed. He said, you saw the redemption that I did in Egypt. I'm doing something far greater that sin will not have dominion over you anymore. And the sins you've committed, past, present, and future, they will be forgiven in the blood of Christ. By the way, I'm doing everything, all the promises of God find their amen in Jesus who's reconciling all things and you belong to me. All of what God says I'm doing, you who are in Christ, do with me. Participate with me. Join in. And I will guarantee you that you will always be mine as I will give you the Holy Spirit and all of this, your whole life will be to the praise of God's glorious grace. To imitate him in every facet of life that he may be honored and all the glory may be to him and not to us. Amen. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you. Um, we love you because you first loved us. We thank you that you have given us a vision of what you are doing that is far greater than any vision we can have. That we can't put what you are doing in a small sentence. It can't fit in a sticker, Lord. It can't fit, Lord, on a piece of paper. And yet you've taken all of it and you've placed it in our hearts and our lives by your spirit. God, help us to live out what you've placed in. God, help us to reflect your beauty and your work. God, help us collectively, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor, be a display to the world around us and worshiping in you and building rich community and God, being constantly on mission for you in very, very natural, normal ways. God, help us to come alongside the people in our lives 
as others have come alongside us. Humble us in your presence. God, help us to live for you to the praise of your glorious grace. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. We're gonna have opportunity to respond to God's word and, and um, um, we'll do that in a few ways, but before we do that, just sit tight and, and listen to the Holy Spirit and what God is communicating to you and Andy will come and lead us in a time of response.